Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. Hello, welcome to another touchy. No, it's not another touchy Gooders podcast. It's a World Cup fracker, but it might as well be a touchy Gooders episode because I'm joined by German Dan and Shabs and uh, yeah, Tops from. Relax Westerway. there, man. Relax there. Man. What was NSO? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Say nothing, man. Say nothing. How you doing, Tops? I'm good, man. I'm good. Thanks for having me on, brother. Always good. How does it feel being the only Argentina hater on the pod? As well as the only Spurs fan, you must be feeling hey, you know hella. You know all personal, all personal feelings today are completely aside. After that uh, horrible pod I, I listened to the other day of Mariah and um, Tobes going back to back about these men, after tonight's performance, I'm going to be completely objective. So yeah, man, you have me, you have me. How nice of you, man! Like that's the bare minimum I expect. To be honest, is objectivity. <laughs> I mean, my, my, my touchy Guna boys, I know I can expect objectivity from them, like, because that, that's that's what we do on our podcast. It's just class throughout, do you know what I mean? Shabs, German Dan, how you doing, gentlemen? Yeah, I'm no doubt, good. man. I'm, I'm, I'm all good. That, that was an excellent um, on-the-fly audible, by the way, Lou, right at the start. Excellent. Oh. Top tier, man. Tears in my you know, eyes, bro. This, this is what I'm paid for, yeah? Yeah, man. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Well, listen, guys. Don't fucking talk about my boy Messi ever again, right? Don't fucking talk ever. about him. Ever. All right? Whoever's listening, don't fucking mention my boy's name ever again, yeah? Ever. Good. Now that you've got the message, we can carry on with the pod. But yeah, guys, Argentina are going to be the World Cup final. And guess what? Touch our rackets. We're doing our biggest ever live show on Sunday for the World Cup final. So... Listen, if you want to join all the cast, come down to uh, Trapdoor at the O2. Yes, I said it, at the O2. Not like the O2. What's the other O2 in, uh, in like, Brixton? And, like, the, 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 yeah, not, 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 not the small O2. The, the big O2, yeah? That's what I'm talking about. We're going to be there at Trapdoor. Tickets, are, uh, the link for the tickets are in the bio. So go and get your tickets. Come and join us. Watch the World Cup final with us. And then we're going to obviously do our traditional live show 
after the game as well. It's going to be our biggest ever live show. So please get your tickets, come down and, you know, enjoy this moment with us, especially if you're rooting for Messi to win. Actually, do you know what? Even if you're not rooting for Messi to win, come and root against him. But I'm sure you're going to be in the, the minority. But yeah, tickets are still on sale. They'll be on sale right up into the day of the event. Uh, the link is in the bio. So uh, get them quickly. Um, and we also are offering uh, discounts for like if you're coming in groups and stuff like that. So if you've got like a group of four, get your discount group tickets. Um, yeah, that's that. Guys, how good was that? Eh? How good was that? I have to admit, I did a, I did um, the preview show for it yesterday. And my prediction was that Croatia would go through. And the reason I thought that was I thought the game would be very, very cagey. And I thought Croatia would be very, very hard to break down. And um, I just felt like the longer that type of game would um, would persist, I think that would make Croatia the favourites to go through. Just because they're, I've got more, you know, I, I've seen more of them being like this really solid team and jamming jamming results. Um, but yeah, man, it was just such a nice surprise to see, you know, Croatia un unpick this solid uh, Croatia defence and. You know, Messi just goes from strength to strength as a 35-year-old in this tournament. Shabs, I'll come to you first, man. Um, what was your thoughts coming into the game? Like, was you confident Argentina would get the business done? Or, you know, was you a little bit hesitant like myself? Nah, I thought it would be a, a, a tight game. I, I, of course, wanted Argentina to win, but I wasn't super confident. At, I feel like at this point, at this stage of the tournament... Um, yeah, people are kind of the teams that are here and remaining are kind of here on merit and deserve to be here. So there's something about it. I expect um, tougher games, a higher quality of matches, really. And so I didn't think it would be clear cut. I definitely didn't think Argentina would win as convincingly as they did. So, um, you know, that, that, that they've come out today and done the business really, really, really speaks. Um, volumes to to them as a team but to, to to Messi in particular but I'm sure we'll get into that later but yeah coming into it I, I thought it will probably be a tighter game and that's as much to um, Croatia in the way that they've performed in the games before now really than um, than anything else I thought Croatia would do their best to kind of be reserved defend quite solidly um, and try and keep the game going for as long as possible, try and see if they could get it into extra time and then take it to penalties as we have seen them do in the last couple of games as well. So um, that's the way that I thought it would go with Argentina eventually pipping it or if they were able to win in normal time, just win by a, a, a slim goal, a very slim margin, not as convincing as this. Yeah. Tops, was you, was you surprised as well at like, you know, the scoreline and just how comfy it was for Argentina today? Yeah, I, I was a little bit, to be honest with you. Um, <clears throat> in truth, like, you know, Argentina came into this tournament with, you know, this amazing unbeaten record, you know, with a, basically a very, very strong squad. Um, and there was a lot of hype behind them, a lot of people saying they were backing them. And to be honest with you, after that Saudi Arabia game, I don't know, I kind of felt like they, you know, they were stumbling through games, but in a weird way, they've kind of got themselves through each sort of round, you know, and they've almost got better and better as the tournament has, has, has gone on. Um, I'd, arguably see, I'd arguably say today was their best performance. Um, lots of notable performances and 
I thought that the way Croatia battled against Brazil and really gave them a real, real tussle, you know, even though they went through on penalties, I thought this was the kind of team that would really give Argentina a problem. Um, lots of experienced head, lots of, you know, good quality players in that Croatia side. But today, man, they they were second best. They were second best. It was like Argentina had the bit between their teeth. You know, pretty much what 90, 95% of the crowd looked like they were Argentinian. And, you know, well, they, well, what they do you mean by very, that? very. Well, let's not speak. Let's not, let's not speak. <laughs> <laughs> let's not speak on that. But, yeah, today, I just, they were. They were very good today. You know, they were very good today. Not just Messi, but you know, as a side, um, they really kind of showed out and um, they they put Croatia to the sword where 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 they needed to. It was um, it was an impressive performance and you know, kind of the best kind of performance you kind of want before going into a final. You know, it was really a positive performance. I can I can definitely say that. German Dan, let me talk. Let me talk to you, man. What was your thoughts heading into the game? And you know, did um, was you you know, impressed by Argentina, despite by Croatia. Uh, what were your thoughts? I was, um, this game was difficult for me to call, but um, I felt, you know, Messi, just seeing them and after their loss to Saudi Arabia, he's just got this, this determination. Like, I've not seen them play like this for club level, um, at club level, where you just feel like he's got proper passion, proper desire um, you know, things that people would attribute to other players, really, he's just kind of displaying. Like, the last game against Netherlands, I was like, is this Messi? Like, shouting at people, slide tackling, pressing, um, you know, even being a bit of a C-word, to be honest, at the end of the game. Like, it was just, I've not seen him like that. What, was what's like, that, Cristiano Ronaldo? <laughs> <laughs> Good guess, man, about it. You know, both both of these words, you know, are closely... closely <laughs> <alive>. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah just i just feel like he's his motivation's different this time like today he took that game and just decided i'm gonna win this game we're gonna win this game you know croatia they ain't got enough to, to trouble at, um argentina def um, defensively and um what croatia would or were trying to do i think again was take this game into extra time <laughs> get it then to penalties and you know win it from there but Messi said, nah, nah, first half, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to take about, um, take the game by the scruff of the neck. And I just feel like you could see that the, his motivation, I think that's the main thing for me that made me think, okay, Argentina will probably take this. He just, his motivation looks different. They seem to have a real camaraderie sort of spirit together. It seems like they know they have to help him win this <laughs> um, because he deserves to win it. Like his career in some way demands him to win this. Um, so they know that that is a, that, that's, that's the task at hand and I just feel like they're super focused and if I look at other teams they were doing um, like Germany for example doing that um, gesture before um, the first game that it's not the same type of focus Argentina this this even though they lost their first game and I was really critical when they lost their first game but you can tell their focus is winning this tournament nothing else matters to them um, and you I don't think I've quite seen that from other nations um, I feel like Spain playing with their food in the last game, for example. Portugal as well, playing with their food in some of the games. Brazil, playing with their food in some of the games. I think Argentina have really approached every game like a knockout tie um, after that Saudi Arabia loss. And, you know, I would not be surprised if if they actually win it all now. Um, I mean, they're in the final, so they've got a pretty good chance, but I would not be surprised if they really do it, well, no matter who they're saying, playing. 
Argentina got that dog in them, yeah? And, and Facts. The others don't. They got that dog in them. They got it's, that racismo in them as well. More that, more that, more that, more that. It's interesting because um, historically we've looked at Argentina as this team that, you know, haven't really stepped up to the mark at international football, right? We look at all of these players, you know, Messi included as well, right? You know, we, we would have all expected more from Messi over his career that he's given to Argentina in terms of performance level. But, you know, even more so, like great players like Aguero, Tevez, Higuain, all had really, really quite, even Di Maria, you know, these amazing players have all had pretty meaty international careers. And this new gen... Maybe not as talented. I don't know. That's that's too that's to be seen. But this new gen, your Julian Alvarez is right. Julian Alvarez. I don't know how many games he's played for Argentina, but I he must have scored more goals at the World Cup than the the three strikers I've named combined. You know. Yeah, yeah he has. I checked. He definitely has. Has he really? I think Aguero. That's got insane. Two or three. He won't right. got one or two. So he's he's already outscored them. He's he's definitely already outscored them. That's absolutely definitely. insane. And these new gen, I think, is it maybe like they're looking at Messi like, that's my goat. He, This is my goat. He's my idol. Probably like young, the youngsters, like what? And how old is Enzo? Like 21? Alfred's yeah, like 21, but, I guess. They're quite young, they're right? 22, 23. Alfred's 22. Yeah, Alfred's 22. So these guys are quite young, right? So it's like, when when they were kids, Messi was doing his things to at the top level. That's their goat. So Bro, there's maybe a, there's something there, to that. There's a picture yeah, there's of Julian Alvarez when he's like ten years old taking a picture yeah. of Messi. Yeah, um, Messi, yeah. Crazy. I was just gonna say the same thing. And I, I think uh, what you're saying, Lou, absolutely. Um, what German Dan said as well. But f you know, in terms of um, really playing, because they want Messi to win it. But I think the other side of it is that. A lot of these players know that this is a genuine opportunity for them to win the World Cup with Messi as well. So they're also rising it for their own personal ambitions and aspirations. Like let's not, like let's not get it twisted. Like these are professional footballers at the highest level as well. They want a, a like a World Cup win on you know on the on the honors list for some of these players as well is no small feet and they've won a Copa America now as well again like so it's not just about the goal scorers there are a lot of talented Argentina footballers who haven't achieved what this group of of players would have achieved if they actually go on to win the World Cup on Sunday as well so I think that's a good point as well that needs to be um considered and then you've got the fact that yeah a lot of these players were little boys like genuinely little boys where Messi was doing his 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 thing. Um, Alvarez is an, is an example of one, but um, Enzo, another one, like Romero, a lot of these guys were kids growing up watching Messi play. So, yeah. And, and that's been really like the driving force behind their winning run before they got to this tournament as well. And then the driving force behind them um, winning the Copa America as well. So, and some people say that was lucky, but whatever. But yeah, man, I think these players are on it and they're looking to cement something for themselves because without Messi let's be real like this Argentina side don't won't have a, a another chance of winning something big I don't think so I just need that the really wrong time but um yeah 
I was gonna ask actually. Um, so we all we all saw the first game against Saudi Arabia and how that just it was just an absolute disaster, right? Like it couldn't have gone anywhere. So it, everyone thought it'd be an Argentina thrashing. You know, there was all this talk about how Argentina had unbeaten for like forty games or whatever it was, right? And obviously, like just won the Copa America, and then you lose your first World Cup group game to Saudi Arabia. What do you guys think is like the key differences between that game and then the the, the kind of turnaround since, really? Because we have seen like quite some some quite impressive performances from Argentina since then. So, what do you guys think is the main differences between you know the, the group opener and the team we see now? For me, um, to, to yeah. Sorry, I should have directed that question at someone. Uh, I'm just sorry. trying German, 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 yeah, two major, two major things. Um, one ends of Fernandez in midfield. Um, he didn't play that first game, I believe. I remember watching the game, thinking these guys need energy in the middle, man. This is just, mm. it's just playing. They're playing. You know, what, what you call it when you're 45 years old and you play football. That's what they're like they playing. Yeah, that's football over there. Touchline Frackers Football Club. And then up top, I mean, I like Lazaro. I think he's he can shoot the ball really well. But when he when he doesn't score, you do wonder what he offers. And I mean, he was offside for all. I think I think had two two nice finishes, but he was offside for him. And uh, I just think outside of that, he didn't offer much in terms of complementing the attack or just being a general threat. He can score, but he, he didn't offer them, you know, a multi-layered threat. And um, Julian Alvarez has, you know, he runs in behind. He works really hard. Um, I saw some tweets today basically saying that this guy's reaction time to win the ball is there to be won. It's just second to none. And really, in some ways, probably reminds me of Martinelli as well. I agree with, with what people are saying and seeing there, that he's just so sharp. And so alert to loose balls um, and potential situations where you can win or you can press the opposition. So him pressing from the front um, and doing a lot of the running that, you know, I mean, Messi's doing more running than I've seen him do. Um, but he does, he overcompensates for his Messi's lack of running in some way. And yeah, he's a dog, you know, and um, Enzo is a dog as well. And I think them two coming in has really helped them. And then um, that right back, I think, has been quite decent as well. I forgot his name, but yeah, he's been quite decent as well. Him mm-hmm. rather than Montiel, I believe, was also a good um, change. Yeah, 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 yeah. Tops, you you were going to chime in as well. Yeah, like um, I think obviously the uh, Saudi Arabia game was a massive, massive reality check. Obviously, having having had such a good run beforehand, and coming up coming up against a team who actually I thought played very well technically and from a physical perspective, um, they probably must have thought what was going on because their performance was quite poor, but. I also just like as well, similar to what Dan said, some of the personnel that they've brought in and even in some of the games, they've changed their tactics. You know, they've gone from 4-3-3 to I think to three at the back in one game to even playing 4-4-2 where they've got like Messi kind of as as, as like an advanced sort of SS behind um, Alvarez. Um, And obviously throughout the games post that uh, Saudi Arabia game, you know, they pretty much kept the same three men in midfield with DePaul, McAllister, who I've actually been really impressed with, and Enzo Fernandez, and it seems like that has seemed to work. Um, Messi and Alvarez have basically been critical to them performing in basically the last four games. Um, 
So I kind of feel like the personnel and also I think like the tactical changes that they've made has kind of made a difference. Like, unfortunately, um, you know, like in the first game, for instance, Rodriguez in midfield, he came out. Um, we haven't really seen much of um, Di Maria, who I still think is a very good player, but it almost seems like he's like he's like an impact player. Similarly, uh, Martinez didn't really play well in that first game, but he's obviously come on and given them a little something um, from cameos. But generally, I think they've like, tournament football is so so interesting because it's literally seven games whereby you, you have to approach each game specifically. You don't really have a way that you can play the whole way throughout. And because of the oppositions that you play, different countries, continents, and the different styles, you have to be able to manipulate your squad as best as you can. And I actually feel that, like, Scaloni, he's the manager for Argentina. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I feel like he's utilised his squad really, really well and he's made the right changes in personnel and formations throughout the throughout the tournament. Um, and it, it's paid off, you know, it's, it's really paid off. Can I just yeah, can I just throw in as well I, I, that I think a lot was made of um, Argentina's defeat in that first game, and I did say it. I think German Dan, you agreed with me as well at the time, but I think too much was being made of it. And yeah, it was a game that no one expected them to to, to lose. It was a shock defeat. They probably should have won that match. They did create a lot of chances, and they had a lot of momentum in the opening exchanges of the game. Um, and I'm not taking anything away from Saudi Arabia, but what happened is that they, they they did play well, but they had a flurry in the opening exchanges of the second half of the game. So probably the middle third of the 90 minutes um, is when Saudi Arabia was on top in that game. But aside from that, Argentina were kind of on top of them and just couldn't put their chances away. But obviously the result is what stood, and people made a lot of it and said, oh, this team, they won't do well without PMP and blah, blah, blah. And I think the changes um, to personnel made that have already been referenced were key, absolutely, um, in, especially in midfield, because I think the coach, Scaloni, took a bit longer to um, integrate um, Alvarez into the team as a mainstay, but um, he still persisted with Latoura for the next couple of games, which I felt was a bad a bad move, but he's um, he's not really looked back since then. We can see the difference that he's made to the attack just being a lot more fluid and a lot more dynamic. So, yeah, credit to them, man. And and, and like we said, today was their most convincing uh, performance and victory of the tournament, if I'm not mistaken. And, um, yeah, man, I think it's no surprise, really. Yeah. Yeah, for real. Let, let's talk a little bit about the game itself, because um, we've we've kind of just done an overview, but I haven't really got into nitty gritty details of the game. But um, let's let's go through the goals. Um, there were some people who uh, thought it wasn't a penalty. I mean, I'm not one of them. I definitely think it's a penalty. Um, does anyone think it wasn't? I think it was a pen. I just the only thing I agree with is I think. It seems a bit harsh because the keeper can't really go anywhere, but then he has to really judge. If he comes out like that, he has to really judge where the Hold ball goes. And... Yeah, exactly. So it is a penalty. And but and also he would stop hard. Alvarez getting onto the ball after, like, because yeah, he's taking yeah. him out. Alvarez can't. It's not about, it's not about if, if he can't go anywhere, really. Um, It's more so that I feel like it's a bit harsh because the keeper's in a sticky situation there. Um, mm. I think either way, he, he'll end up making a mistake. So, yeah. but it's one of these situations where you know you just have to hold that 
Uh, yeah. Try save the penalty. <laughs> well, I mean, he's saved an awful lot of penalties um, <laughs> in this tournament. And, you know, was there anyone, you know, just a little bit nervous when Messi... Obviously, we know Messi's record was with taking pens. It's not, it's not amazing. Um, but was anyone a little bit nervous, a little bit tetchy? I was. <laughs> nah, man. That's and he actually, he actually packed that ball in like into the top corner. So brilliant was, penalty. Yeah, brilliant penalty. Excellent. Yeah, I, it's one. I, of I don't. I don't like when he does like. I don't like when he does the. I didn't like the penalty that he did the other day, where he kind of just passes it into the corner. I I don't like those ones because I just feel like I've seen him miss those penalties quite a lot, where. He tries to pass it into the corner, and a goalkeeper guesses the right way. Just blam it, man! You could you could do it. Just blam it and put it put it in the goal. They ain't gonna save it, you know. But yeah, it was a, it was a great penalty, and um, that obviously puts Argentina well in the ascendancy. And they were probably value for their lead at that point, maybe. Or it was a bit of a it was a bit of a stale game actually, maybe at that point. Where um, I think they once they had scored, they looked like scoring again. Um, and that's when, obviously, Julian Alvarez. I mean, I don't know how that. I don't know some Luis Suarez judge kind of trickery and dribbling uh, mastery to get there. But um, you know, I'm 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 keeping that as a messy assist, by the way. Uh, <laughs> don't know about you guys, but. <laughs> It took 12 deflections along the way, but it's the best assist for me. <laughs> I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice, nice little dribble from Alvarez. Though. But I don't know how, how much luck of it is, uh, or, you know, more luck than judgment, maybe. But, you know, he does quite, pers- he does persevere to get there in the end. And then, um... no, wait, no, that was for the penalty, right? No, wait, what am I... No, it's, it, uh, yeah, no, his goal, when he carried, when they basically were defending a corner and he broke and yeah. carried the ball down the middle of the pitch, yeah, that was, yeah, no, that wasn't, that was his goal. Yeah, and it took bad deflections, right? Yeah, 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 three yeah. or four, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, I think, cool, it, cool, I think cool. it came up two or three defenders, to be honest, but he just kept reacting yeah. faster than them, so. Yeah. I can't remember the finish now. I'm I'm, I'm getting the the the, the penalty was, uh, confused. Uh, it was like it kind of ricocheted back to him, and he kind of just threw the keeper into the okay. middle of the goal. Oh, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, so um, got that dog in him, man. Got that dog in him. Just uh, good finish, and like I said, me- messy assist, messy assist. Uh, at that point, obviously, like um, we'd seen previously. In the Holland game, were were, they, were Argentina two 0 up in at halftime in the Holland game as well? I think they may have been, or maybe one 0 when they got a second goal. Pretty, yeah, they went two 0 up against um, Holland anyway. But you know, at, at that point at halftime, did you guys think that um, that it was game dusted, or did you see enough from Croatia to say uh, you know that they could get back into the game? No, for me it was game done at halftime. The thing, the in fact, we said it. The thing is, I don't think anyone will put money against um, Argentina having not having a bozo moment at the back. And so I, I, I did say in one of the chats, um, you never know. You know, you you really never know because um, Argentina players like Otamendi and that will always 
have a moment in them where they could just do Harry Kiri and boom, you're you know you're a goal down again or two. But um, for me, based on the evidence of the game and the performance, Argentina looked value for money, and um, I thought, yeah, I thought what was going to happen happened at that point. I thought they were going to come out, get another goal, and it will be game done. Um, so yeah, yeah, yeah I, was, I, was, I, was, I was similar to Shabs. I thought they should take this. You know, they should take this to um, full-time now. But I saw that Netherlands game, man, and I, I can't lie. And I, I'm I'm still thinking even the final, if they go ahead, for me, the game ain't done. I don't know how well, how good they are seeing our games because they don't just have one balls at the back. They have two, maybe three, maybe four. You know, it's just a couple man at the back. Look a little shaky, baby. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I think today it was... It was also a lot to do with Croatia not being proactive with their subs. Um, I think once it was 2-0, you need to bring on that um that Maya, you need to bring on Ostage. You, they probably should have started, to be honest. And um, once it's 2-0, um, I kind of felt like Croatia probably don't have the weapons to hurt Argentina. And the weapons to hurt Argentina are, you know, long balls into the box. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> we've seen we've seen the airstrikes that Van Hal Army <laughs> was launching on Argentina, and boy, they yeah. paid off well. So I think that's how France will approach them. They will launch their ball into Giroud, um, a lot of crosses into the box. I think that's probably the best way of hurting them. And then transition, and behind the fullbacks, Dembele and um, and um, Mbappe are going to be very dangerous. But you know they're not in the final yet, so let's see. But I can I can see Argentina be kind of vulnerable defensively, to be honest. Um, but today I just thought if they get another goal, then I'll believe it. But two 0 because I've seen them give up that lead before I was like yeah I'm not sure. yeah yeah I, I guess the like you said with Holland Holland they do kind of have like offensive weapons that you know could, could hurt you with that direct game I, I mean I didn't see it coming in the Holland game but when it actually happened I thought oh, well obviously there we go with with, with Croatia I, don't, I, I never really feel like they're they're cape they're obviously capable of scoring a goal but I never really feel like Croatia have got goals in them yeah, um, they want to do the no-noting and take it to yeah, hor- horrible team, man, horrible team. Two two World Cup, uh, uh, get into the World Cup final and World Cup semi-final two two times in a row now, man. Fuck you, no, give us a break, guys. Jeez, but yeah. um, hang it up, my yeah. dick, man. We've had enough. In it, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was he gave the ball away for the first goal as well in these. Um, yeah, to I be fair, Mod- I think Mudra's been good this tournament. So he he's been good, but we we need to talk about um you know Kovacic in midfield. You know, I'd like to have a discussion. Yeah, he's been a bit considering Croatia have got to the semi final of the of the World Cup. I actually don't know if Kovacic has had like a standout game this tournament. I think he's been probably the weaker of the three centre mids. Actually, tops. What do you reckon? Um, has he been the weakest of the three centre mids? So, so my one issue with 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 Kovacic is that, like, I think from a technical perspective, he's definitely up there. Like, I feel on the ball, he gives you exactly what you want from a guy who can play in a pivot. He's very good ball. He is actually fairly press resistant, um, and he does cover a lot of ground on and off the ball. But my issue with him is that, like, I think that he doesn't affect games enough because he gets on the ball so much, has so many touches, finds himself in so many little areas, 
half spaces, you know, in the deep areas in his own in his own half. But I just feel that as a player of his quality, he just doesn't affect the game enough. And the difference I think with between him and the other two is that where I see the other two, they have roles. And in those roles, they are very good in those roles. So you have someone like Brozovic, who is effectively the main ball winner, but he's also a very good ball carrier and he does those things very well. And he doesn't really put himself in any areas that, I mean, maybe he's uncomfortable. He doesn't do anything more than that. And you have a deep line playmaker in Modric, who is constantly on the ball, constantly has a touch, constantly linking the play. But then you have someone like Kovacic, who you would actually kind of say is probably the player who could probably play box to box in that midfield. He's very, very active, always running, always dribbling. But then I just feel that, like, the way that that midfield is set up, he technically should be the player, I, and I would probably look at as being the most advanced in the midfield, but he doesn't affect the game in any sort of way in that advanced areas. He doesn't really give much help to Perisic, doesn't really give much help to, to, to Kramaric. And I feel like even when he is in areas that he can affect the game, I don't know. I I, I kind of see it sometimes at Chelsea, and I always feel like people put a lot of pressure on Mount to do to do some more. But I feel like with his ability and with his technical package, we should be expecting more. And quite frankly, I don't think we've seen that much from him in that sense uh, in this World Cup. And unfortunately, whilst those mid that midfield three has been very solid, it's been very secure. They've they've you know, even today they outpassed that Argentina team, but they didn't affect. That Argentina defence enough. Mm. Good, interesting words from Top Song Kovacic's package. Package. Very interesting. You man are nasty. You man are nasty. I don't know what you're trying to uh, describe here, but where I don't, I don't, I don't know. Man said a man said a solid package. You know, <laughs> you a solid technical pa- package. <laughs> 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 no, but I, I, I actually hear what Tops is saying. I think I think I think I think um Kovacic is clearly a baller, but you're right, he is a bit of a nothing player in my and that sounds that sounds horrible. I don't actually mean he is like not good at anything. By nothing player, I mean like what does he actually do? You know, like this is who this is who he is, and he don't create, me, he don't score, he don't like yeah, I don't know. He keeps like, it ticking. He keeps it ticking, you know. He keeps it ticking. Aleppo, he does keep it ticking. He does keep it ticking, and he does that well. But then, what I also feel as well is that, like, sometimes with club football, you have specific players, you have specific roles, and actually, it's okay to be limited because that's what your club team wants you to do. Mm. I actually feel that you're playing with players that are actually the best, basically, in your country at that level. And let's be honest, Brozovic and Modric are hoopers. So I would expect him to also rise to the occasion and actually start performing at a level where he maybe needs, even needs to be a bit more, a bit more free, you know, play, play with a bit more, play less risk averse. And I feel mm. like for Croatia, I just, with a player, that, with, with his ability, I just don't see that enough. The yeah. thing is, we don't, I mean, know, we don't know what he's been asked to do by the national team coach. And we do, like... Partey for is is an example of a of a player who um, like how he plays for Arsenal is very different to how he plays for for Ghana and he even spoke about it with some some cryptic comments recently. So we don't know what the coach is asking for Kovacic to um, do. But to me, a leopard can't change his spots. This is who he is. And again, similar to Lou, 
I don't think it's a bad thing. I think there's times where what you're describing, Tops, is works for Chelsea. It's, it's very effective for Chelsea. And there are obviously times where what you're describing is how he plays for Croatia and it works for them as well. But like you said, it's about him rising it and being able to vary from what it is that his base game is. And he's not been able to demonstrate that today when it's mattered. And he's not really been able to demonstrate it much throughout this tournament either. You know, we've seen Modric have performances in this tournament where he's um, rising. We've seen um, Brozovic, who said his game's not really about that, but yeah, he's played to a very, very solid level. But yeah, this this is who Kovacic is. And again, I, I like him, but this is who he is as a footballer. So, you know, I don't think people should have any other expectation of him, really. It's what he does. Yeah. See, and I hear that. And, and, and you know, the reason that I brought it up is because I feel like some footballers are viewed through different lenses than other footballers. You know, the scrutiny on the performance of someone like Kovacic is, is not as high. We all know he's a good football player. There's literally no doubt or debate about that. But how good is he? And when you compare him then to other players, like, I think there's probably people out there who would say he's better than Thiago. But, you know, the way Thiago's viewed and scrutinised is completely different. Whereas I don't think he's better than Thiago. So Thiago's way more scrutinised, way more analysed, way more critiqued than someone like Kovacic has way more responsibilities for um, the team that he plays for than Kovacic. And the same goes for Partey. And, um, you know, people will view those players and through different lenses than someone like Kovacic. And what Kovacic does really well is he keeps it ticking. He's definitely, you know, press resistant and plays well under pressure and he's very good at dribbling. But he lacks one thing that you need in football and midfield, which is verticality. You know, you can make 100 passes. How many of those passes are forward? How many of those passes are surpassing the opposition? You know, and if those passes, if it's not enough of them, then, you know, the value of what you bring is limited for me. You know, mm. the, the most valuable footballers in midfield are the players that can surpass opposition and can take the opposition out with their passing and dribbling. Kovacic kind of do it with his dribbling sometimes. But even today, he was dribbling. And where was the pass going? You know, he was off balance. Ball was getting lost. You know, I just I just want that if people think this guy's a world-class player, they need to view him through the same lens as other world-class players. And they are not, in my opinion. That's why I, I thought I need to bring them up. Yeah, no, no, 100%. 100%. I agree with that. Um, let's move on to, uh, you know, the fi the final goal, which was like the, the icing on the cake, really. And, you know, I think this was the goal that, you know, is going to be remembered for quite a long time, I think, purely because of Messi's, you know, involvement out on the left and in, in making the goal. I mean, he's arguably 1v1 up against, you know, some may say the best defender in the competition so far. I don't know. I, he's probably been like it, most. Some people, you know, I haven't. I hadn't seen him prior to the tournament, so he's been impressive. I don't know if he's been the best defender though, but um, he's been impressive, no oh, doubt. Yeah. But you know, he's been good. He's been good. Yeah. Um. But yeah, Messi absolutely takes him to the cleaners. Um. Shaved twenty million off his transfer value after that. And, you know, puts it on a plate for Alvarez to stick it in the goal, man. Like, in terms of, like, World Cup moments, that's going to be right up there as, you know, one of the most memorable goals for me, you know. Um, watching it live, you know, um, just a brilliant piece of skill out there, man. And rolling back the years as well. Like, that's, that's what I like to see. So, someone who's, like... Almost like half his age, basically. You know, it's kind of crazy when you when you look at it, that lens. You know, what's got what got about like tw twenty, not twenty one. Yeah, he, yeah, he's twenty. Yeah. He's twenty. He's twenty. Crazy, 20. crazy. 
like Messi's got 16 years on it, mate. <laughs> you know, but yeah, like it, it, in terms of that goal, guys, like um, how special was that goal? And, um, you know, how, how happy were you for Messi when obviously Alvarez tucks it away? Because I'm sure Aguero and Higuain are missing that still. <laughs> for me, it just goes to show the magic of Messi. And um, like you said at the start, you know, you, you, you let it be known. It's crazy to think that people still talk crazy about this guy when we've seen time and again, time and again, time and again that he is, um, you know, undoubtedly the 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 top top footballer of our lifetime, and he's got things in his in in his locker. For for me, you know, I picked this up from German Dam, um, just in terms of the articulation around it. But it's again about operation speed and. The speed of thought and execution, the balance, it's the little things like, you know, but look like um, luring Guardiola into a full sense of security. And then he's also turns away from goal and looks to check the positioning of, 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 of where his other players are. And then, you know, he does the spin on him. What a spin move. Um, you know, uh, Patrick Ewing would be proud, you know. So that's it. He takes it, um, you know. And then it's the pass. It's the weight of pass. It's the delivery of the pass as well. And he he he, he makes it. He makes the finish so easy for Alvarez. But he makes the whole thing look easy in terms of um, the whole move from start to finish, what he's done. And you look at that and you think, my God. Like, I was watching it and saying, oh, Oh my gosh, Messi! And then he kind of slows down, and you think, "Ah, oh, this, this, this situation's dead." Well done to the defender, and then boom, quicker than the pume. You know, I once saw saw Mano on Smack DVD talking about getting chased down the block quicker than the pume. Packages and pumes, yeah? No. Whoa. <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. But yeah, man, quicker than a pume. He just, yeah, he just he just puts the spin on him and just finds the pass and he makes it look so, so easy. Look at the whole thing. You think, my God, this is magic. It's magical. It's magical. I'm, and I, I'm, I'm delighted for the goal. I'm delighted for the cushioning, but I'm delighted for Messi, man. That's that's his magic. That's what he can do. And he's given us so many moments like that in this tournament already. If you think about the goal for um, the first goal against it's Holland amazing. as well, that, that again, that pass, I'm real. Um, mm. just, he's, he's, he, he ha he's not a moments player. He has so many moments in, in games where he just creates <laughs> and, 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 and has provides magic. And you're just like, you, you have to salute this guy and really applaud him and what he does because he's 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 truly a great man you know you know the fingers uh, as well when absolutely. you look back oh yeah go on tops so no go on so it's so it's yeah i was just i was just gonna say if you just look back on the games that he's played you know since the saudi arabia game he's decided basically every single game with a key 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 moment or two moments he's decided every single game and you can talk about the strength of position, but he's beaten who's in front of him, you know. Um, and he's decided these games not through luck, but through through sheer brilliance. Uh, and some instance, that that assistant versus Holland is crazy. That assist today, crazy. That goal versus Australia, cold. You know, this mm -hmm. guy is deciding games, and we we can we've seen Messi 
where he was able to do five, six dribbles like he did tonight in one game. So what he's doing right now is reserving his energies, energy for the key moment. Um, you know, and he makes that moment count or the two or three moments count. You know, that that level of effectiveness is is ridiculous. You know, um, some players would, you know, some players would do um you know, two or three dribbles, and then they'll be done uh, at this age, and that hasn't resulted into anything. But Messi's biding, biding his time. He's waiting for the perfect moment. He's he's in some way facilitating and you know manipulating that perfect moment. And sometimes where he goes in terms of the position he takes up, taking certain players with him, then coming super deep, creating that gap in you know in midfield or in the attack for then Alvarez to drop in, and he going and beyond. He's really a master of this game, not just on the ball, but also in terms of movement and, you know, finding space. And really the, the best, best players know where to go and which spaces to go to hurt your position. And you would have thought today, you know, Guardiola is is, 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 a, is, a, is a very, very, very talented player. Um, and he's looked master this, at this tournament. And you'd think, oh, where, where's, where, where, if there's a, if there's a weak point in that defence, where would they go? Um, Lovren, but he plays on the right-hand side. And Messi prefers, you know, come, not on Croatia's right hand side, right? So Messi's left hand side, but Messi prefers his right hand side. So why would he move over there? He's just gonna take the best guy on and you know destroy him. It doesn't yeah. matter who it is. If he yeah. if he if he wants to do something, he can do it. And that's the that's the crazy bit because not not many ever can do that. Joint joint most goals, joint most assists, joint most big chances created. Um, surely he's got to be in the reckoning for the golden ball. Does it just come down to? Whoever wins the final, a straight shoot up between him, him and Mbappe, I would imagine, right? No one else is going to win it. Yeah, I'd, I'd imagine right now. I'd imagine right now, definitely between those two. I mean, the guy, the guy's an absolute metronome. Like, like, you know, if you're looking at him from like an outside perspective, if you're like a young player, like you just got to take even like from that 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 third goal that was scored, just little things that he that he's able to do, the way he's able to speed the game up slow it down the way he's able to control the ball really on that tight area on on that right hand side and still have control of it whilst taking on the defender the balance to be able to swing to be able to turn on the swivel and even the placement and the timing of the pass you know some players can do what he did get to that final moment and not find that pass with his opposite foot to find um alvarez like everything this guy does it's it's incredible and like they always say it as well, but what also marks this guy as a player is his ability to be defi- to be decisive in all amounts of his game. Like it doesn't matter; he can score two, three goals in a game, but he is absolutely decisive in everything positive that this team is doing. And like like a captain should do, even as an attacker, he's completely leading this team, and he's leading them by example. Like like his performance tonight was absolutely incredible. Mm. incredible and it's not yes even the final like uh. yeah yeah let's um let's take a look ahead to tomorrow's game because obviously um we know argentina are in the final now and it's just about who they're going to be playing in the final um france against morocco i mean if you had said that at the start of the the world cup i think people would have looked at you like you were a bit crazy but morocco are I mean, they've had a fucking hard route to get here. So no one can say that they do not deserve to be in this position. Um, you know, they've conceded one goal all tournament, which was an own goal. They've knocked out Portugal and Spain. Uh, Portugal in normal time. Spain, no. Was it Spain? Spain. Um, 
took him to penalties. Yeah. Was. Yes, famous penalties. Yeah, yeah. Penalties. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, and then, obviously, came through a group with uh, Belgium, Croatia, Croatia, and and Canada. So, um, yeah, it, it it's not being e- an easy route at all for Morocco. So to be at this stage unbeaten, only considered one goal, and knocked out two massive, you know, giants in world football. Um, what a, what an achievement for them. Anyway, but that being said, um, Shabs, how much of a chance do you give Morocco against France? A slim one. Is it a bridge, is it a bridge too far? I actually hope not for Morocco. You know, um, I really respect and admire what they've done, what they've been able to do. And I think it's easy to be dismissive of them. Um, Let's make no bones about it. France are going to be the favourites. France, I think, are the stronger side. Um, France have got the higher quality. We're waxing lyrical about Messi and rightly so, but France also have a very magical player called Mbappe who also can be decisive. He has been decisive for France. Um, He's decisive for France in, in the last World Cup where they actually won it. So, they got a chance, you know, Griezmann's doing magical things and really playing like a player, um, you know, a man on a mission. Giroud as well. He's another one playing got, like who, a man on a mission. Who's getting them WhatsApp notifications? Sorry, Shams. That was that might be me, you know. That is the through. loudest notification. That notification yeah, was like man. a thousand messages at once, bro. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, I didn't realize that come through. That's um, what's that web on, a, on another tab? But yeah, um, yeah, Giroud as well. He's you know, all of these lot are just kind of making statements. But then you cannot overlook how dogged Morocco have been, how solid they've been defensively. Um, you know, that people have counted them out and they've found a way to get through. So again, this it's really difficult for me to call, and I don't think I can settle on one particular. Um, side until they step out onto the pitch tomorrow, until like the opening exchanges of the game, um, I don't think I'll be able to form an opinion. I might form an opinion based on how one side starts or or, or, or the other, but right now, I can't call it. I think there's some magic and some confidence with Morocco as well, and just a, a massive boost. Um, their first African nation to get this far as well, so they're, they're carrying something, and I think they're carrying a bit of swagger and belief with them as well. We've heard things about um, their camp as well and um that they've had family members allowed in their camp which has been really relaxing for the f- players and aided the players as well so there's all types of different factors that um are kind of um not necessarily known widely known which contribute or 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 have an adverse effect as well so i don't i don't know it's difficult to call but I mean, I'm excited about it sorry it don't help to answer your question but these are my <laughs> german Maybe you could be a little bit more uh, concise than Shabs. Um, what, what, you know, how, how can Morocco win this game? Can they win this game? Listen, listen, um, word to Babs um, for naming the Morocco manager Habibi Pat. But um, after we've seen him, you know, taking Zoom classes by, by Arteta, I mean, we have to call him um, that Habibi seminar, yeah. Really. You know, yeah. he's taking seminars, you know, and. He were impressed with the style of play. I wonder whose blueprint he took. You know, I wonder who. <laughs> <laughs> I 
But um, I think for Morocco, it, I'll be honest, I think it's a step too far. You know, I saw a video and um, of Mbappe and Hakimi. Mbappe and, Mbappe and Hakimi are very good friends. And Mbappe said, I have to kill him. You know yeah. what I mean? You will kill him. You know, he was, he had, Hakimi was right there and then. Uh, Mbappe said, I have to kill him. You know, Hakimi, I think, is a fantastic player. Um, But I think Mbappe probably knows him too well. I think Mbappe is one of these guys. He's a real student of the game. Um. And I think he probably knows Hakimi too well. Um, I think it would take an off night for Mbappe to not influence the game positively. And I just can't see it happening right now. I think he's he's mm. too motivated. He looks too sharp. Um, you know, Hakimi probably is gonna gonna have his girlfriend on his mind who's like twelve years older. Meanwhile, Mbappe's just dusting him off. So he um, said she's twelve years old, but he's twelve years older. Twelve years older than him. All oh, right, okay, so fuck it up. Probably scared of the lectures that she's gonna give him. So I just feel like Mbappe is gonna bamboozle him and that right hand side, you know. So, and I also think what the problem for Morocco really is, I think availability. It looks like some of the, some of the players have gone down. I think that the players are tired. They're playing very exhausting games. Um. The way they have been having to play really against teams like Spain, Portugal, Belgium, Croatia. They've had the toughest run. So not make, make no mistake of that. They're 100% here on merit because they've had the toughest run any team has had in this World Cup. Um, but I just think like, you know, Mbappe knows what to do against Hakimi, I think. And then Giroud, I think, is a proper threat. Um, we've seen teams try cross it against Morocco and, you know, struggling to get on the, on, you know, the ball to... There's a Ronaldo who's washed, in my opinion. Um, Arata, They're very comfy with balls in the air. Um, yeah, but I think Giroud is a bit different. You know, just mm. the way he times his runs on for crosses is different. And I think mm. France, um, France's um, crosses are better than um, the other teams. So I think Theo Hernandez is a very good cross off the ball. And I think Griezmann. also Griezmann. That's the one I was going to say. I think mm. Griezmann is a fantastic cross off the ball. So. I, I just feel like even set pieces, I, I can see Griezmann finding Giroud to, to break it open and then it'll be on Morocco to come forward. And that's the game that France want to play. I actually don't think France are that good. I hate their midfield because I think the proposition of their midfield is or just the way they play is not great. Um, I think Chouamini is on there in, his, um, in there on his own, but he sits deep like he does for Real Madrid. Um, and Rabiot's just roaming around. So there's a lot of space in, in midfield against them. So... England made some use of that, basically just, you know, having players and they're receiving the ball um, because, you know, you can't press everyone if there's only one in there. Um, and I think Griezmann is like kind of pushed up with Giroud. So they're, they're basically pressed like a 4-4-2. Um, so I feel like there's space in mind the forwards, but Morocco are not going to exploit that. I think Morocco are going to have a completely different game plan. So um, the way to hurt France is probably actually trying to hurt them centrally, but I don't think Morocco will do that. They will try to do it on the wings where I feel like you know, France are good. Um, Theo Hernandez and Mbappe are good. Um, the right back Kunde cheeks, but um, Dembele should be rising at, at least one game. He's got to give us one game, right? I mean, I'm Can't. doing so much. <laughs> He's got to give us one game, right? Boy, boy. Can, can uh, Morocco not take any lessons from, you know, the way England played against France? You know, because I know you said there that, you know, France are quite strong on the wings, but... You know, England showed that France can be got at in the fullback area, in the wide areas. You know, Saka had a very good game against France and caused them a lot of trouble. Um, can Buffon and Ziyech not, not replicate but that? The quality, the quality discrepancy is big, in my opinion. I think, first of all, having, I think, you know, as a, as a defender, Kyle Walker is probably better than Hakimi, I would, I would think so, for sure. 
Um, I think Hakimi is the better overall right back, but Walker was not going forward. Like he was staying back at all times, mm. defending Mbappe. And England had have devised a plan to have two free players on them whenever he had the ball. Um, so you know that that kind of created space for Dembele and Griezmann on the other side a bit more, but and they weren't too effective with it. Um, and then also, you know, going forward, Saka is is a different proposition, 1v1, um, coming inside the pitch than Ziek. You know, Ziek is not taking on um, Chouameni, uh, Rabio, bursting past these men with ease. I don't think he's going to do that. He's going to he's gonna offer threat, and he plays really well for his country, to be honest, but he just doesn't have that threat Saka has. And then, who else? I mean... Buffal? Buffal? Buffal could trouble Kunde. That's going to be interesting. I, I can't lie that. I agree with. I don't think England did that enough. I don't think England tested that right-hand side enough tops. I think maybe that's something Morocco could capitalise on. Yeah, I, I mean, it's just such a funny, it's just such a funny game because uh, I feel like uh, Morocco, if you've watched them in this tournament, they've actually played in a way where they, they really don't mind giving up possession. They don't mind giving up possession. Uh, to the opposition whereby they can give them a lot of time and space in their half. But the minute they they move into the, the Moroccan half, there's very little space. There's very little options. It's actually like incredibly difficult to break this Morocco team down. Um, I feel like, I mean, we can't not give uh, Habibi Pep uh, some sort of credit for the I'll way he set up the I'll team. Um, these are also players who like... Absolutely fighting for each other. Um, (laughs) He's going to get this in 2023, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? Like, it's funny what you said about uh, about, um, Mbappe saying he's going to kill Hakimi because it's almost like uh, in the the NBA Dream Team documentary. Uh, in the final, uh, the Olympic game, uh, Kobe says the first thing he's going to do when he gets uh, any sight of Paul Gasol, he says, I'm going to kill him. I'm going to just run through him. And the first thing he does, which and Paul Gasol is like his best friend, you know, at the Lakers. So the, the first thing he's going to do, he just he just absolutely clatters through him. And everybody on the NBA team is like, okay, like, you know, this guy means business. He really... And I, I honestly think it's almost poetic that, that uh, Mbappe plays on that left shorthand side. Hakimi is the right. That is going to be a really, really interesting battle on that side. Like, oh, Top's still there? I think his internet has finally given up. It's finally given up. <laughs> yeah. no, he's made a good comparison. I really like that analogy, though. A really good analogy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I, and I think because because I was going to say that as well. I, again, I think German Dan, you you made some interesting points, some factual things about France and what they're good at. But I think Tops as well has covered it. When look at the way that Morocco defend and look at their structure, they don't give up any space. And the way that for me, the way that you have to beat them is to um, you have to play through them. You have to be able to get players into the central zones and play through the Lions. And I think, okay, I don't think that the midfielders that France have got are going to be able to 
effectively do that. Um, you know, I think Griezmann is fine in terms of being able to drop into the space and find pockets of space. So is Mbappe. I think if they can find those spaces and the ball can get to them, I think they'll be they're very technically accomplished players. Even Giroud, very very technically accomplished and finding the tight spaces. But you've got Rabiot and Chouamani potentially as the midfielders who are trying to feed them, and I don't see them as guys who are going to be able to do that to any kind of reliable degree in those games. So I think where's the space going to come from? Because Morocco have been fantastic at this mid-block restricting space. So France are going to then have to try and play over the top to try and find space in behind to get again to which I think Morocco have almost systematised themselves. So they start this mid-block and kind of the middle of midfield, but can drop to the edge of their 16 if need be, if balls come over the top. So I'm kind of looking at them and saying they're very, very, very organised. So I don't think it's going to be the um, the mismatch or the landslide that people suggest it will be. And then there's individual battles. And I think that um, um, Aguard at the back is an interesting matchup for um, Giroud. Um, is he fit? That... Uh, I hope he's fit. He, I'm didn't, not he didn't play against Portugal. so And Saiz went off injured. So... Um, you know, oh, they've got a few injury concerns. They've got the DM as well, who's been cleaning up everything. Arabat. In every job, Arabat. And then they've got the guy, um, is his name Unani, the number eight? Unahi, who, Unahi uh, yeah. Unahi, he, he played. Yeah, he, play, he, he played really well. Not, not, not so much the defensive side of, of his game. And I'm not saying he's not good at that. I'm just not talking to, to that point. But when Morocco got on the ball, against Portugal in particular, who were expansive, um, he played really well. He played really well. He wasn't afraid. He wasn't scared to take the ball, receive the ball anywhere in the pitch and carry the ball forward and just kind of um, uh, release pressure for Morocco. So it's a tight game. I do expect France to win it, but I, I think it's tighter than some I don't think it's going to be loads of goals. That's, that we haven't seen that in any Morocco game. So I, I, I wasn't trying to say loads of goals. And the more you talk about it, I think I definitely see that Morocco is a, is a stern test. I think just, you know, Mbappe knows Hakimi. That's for me a big thing. And yeah, I know yeah. Mbappe... Mbappe and yeah, exactly. But they're going to be combining high on that pitch. And if he doesn't yeah. get joy on the outside, he'll come in the inside where he'll be close to Griezmann. So, you know, that overload on our side, Griezmann, Fea Hernandez providing whip, Mbappe and Griezmann centrally drew in the box. You know, Rabiot's going to be in the box. He's not going to be passing. So I feel like even if these boys are combining outside the you know area, there's going to be two, at least two people in the box. Dembele back stick. I think France have a number of recipients up top. Um, I think they're going to be vulnerable in, the, um, in transition. 100% because one, their midfield is just, you know, they don't cover that area well, in my opinion. Tremaine is going to be on an island by himself. So I actually expect Amrabat and um, the Onahi guys to have good joy when the ball breaks down, that they're going forward and they will get good joy for sure. And Hakimi's very, very adept and very good at going forward fast. Same as Amos right, but I'm not sure he's going to be playing. And El Naziri is a very willing runner. Um so I see, I see that they can definitely hurt France. I wouldn't be surprised if they scored, to be honest. Um, I think mm. France have considered in every game. But what I've seen in every game from France is that I feel like these guys are just chilling, honestly, against England as well. I felt like they scored the goal. 
they were being sloppy, started chilling, then England equalised, then just rose up for five minutes, scored the goal, you know, then again, started being sloppy, chilling. I think they just rise to it when they need to. So, as long as... So, that's that's how I kind of see it, yeah. Um, If if Morocco score first, it could be very tricky, though, for them. Um, If France score first, I think it's going to be France score first, Morocco equalise, and France score again, same as the England game. If Morocco scores first, I think it'll be very interesting. Hmm. Yeah. Do you think Morocco could take any confidence from the fact that France lost to Tunisia? I know, like, I don't know how many direct parallels can be drawn to Tunisia and Morocco, but you know, maybe a similar compilation of their like squads in terms of style and player style, playing t- style as well. I, I know it was a weakened French team. They did, yeah. they did, but you know. So that some of the players still came on to try and salvage the game against Tunisia and mm. didn't get any mm. luck. Um, I'm just wondering if Morocco could take any confidence from that, like that, you know, they're, they're uh, uh, you know, a nation that they share a border with, I believe. Do they share a border with Tunisia? My geography might be not, not great, but North African side anyway. Yeah, you, um, think, you just think every African nation is next to each other, yeah? Hey, hey, I, I didn't say it. You, you said it. <laughs> <laughs> hey, <bro. laughs> Shit. Yeah, they share a border with South Africa or something. Then it's like, yeah, <laughs> you're sicko, man. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, like, do, do you think Morocco could take any any confidence from that, or is that am I am I reaching a little bit? So, not, you need to me. put your mic on. What? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, yeah, I think whilst we're waiting for tops, I think they, I think they, they're gonna have to. I think there's no way that um, look, every team in this tournament is going to be studying, um, you know, the the strengths and pitfalls of any other teams that they come up against. So if Tunisia have had joy against France, weakened team or not, um, Morocco for me would be would be foolish not to not to look at that and not to consider what it is that they were able to do that was. Um, successful especially as it's you know probably the only loss or the only defeat that that France have have had um the thing that doesn't give me confidence about Morocco enough is the the way in which they attack I'm actually more confident about Morocco's ability to kind of have a shutout um than their ability to 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 score goals with regularity and so I think even though France have deficiencies and 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 lapses at the back um I don't think that yeah, yeah. Open Mukano. Yeah. High in that team. Yeah. High. High yeah. High yeah. potential for buzzer movements. <laughs> so, yeah, man. I think, you know, I just, I just don't... Like, Morocco might get a goal and then that's it. You know? So... I think France. that's what we need, man. We need that Morocco first goal to make it really, really interesting. Yeah, yeah, I think makes so. Sense. I think so. Anyway... Guys, I think we will leave it. Uh, we'll call it a night there. Um, you know, we've got we've got the other semi final tomorrow. Um, remember, I said uh, mentioned the live show uh, on Sunday. We will be hosting for the World Cup final at the O2 at Trapdoor. So get your tickets. Link will be in the bio. You can get group discount tickets. Um, so bring bring friends. Bring friends, have a good time, watch the game, and we'll do a live podcast afterwards as well. And I hope to see you all there. Shabs, Tox, German Dan, thank you, gentlemen, and uh, have a good evening.
Podcast Network.